you know, a really strange thing happened to me years ago. And it was outside Stanford Bridge. And I was with a mate of mine who was a Chelsea fan and I just happened to go to football with him. He's a bit of a lunatic. And uh, it wasn't West Ham playing, it was, um, it was Chelsea and someone else, I can't remember who it was. And there was a guy selling the British movement paper outside. And he was a Rastafarian. And everyone was looking at him and thinking, the fuck he knows the Rastafarian selling the British movement paper for, you know. And I asked him, what are you doing? What are you selling that for? And he says, well, I want people to read it. I said, why? He said, well, because if you don't read what it is, then you have no argument against it. You have to understand it. And it's, it's pretty cool. How you doing? I'm Ray Winstone, and this is what we talk about when we talk about talk. The podcast on all things Oracy from School 21. <laughs> right. Cheers, mate. Is that it? Yeah, that's it, Sweet as a nut. Amy, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, how are you? Good, good. Last night. What a night. What a night. Teach Culmination me. of all our hard work. Tell people. Yeah, it was amazing. So, we had a teach me all about Oracy, and it went right from teachers of reception all the way up to teachers of year 13, sharing their best Oracy practice, and it was great to see. We had lots of people come along. What was your highlight? My highlight was actually seeing some of the secondary presentations, because I think I don't often get to see what they're doing higher up in the school, and some of it was really inspirational. And actually, it's amazing how something you're doing in year 13 could be applied in year one, even though you just get two minutes to hear about it. Any specific takeaways? Um, there was one all about... I think it was sugar molecules being absorbed into the bloodstream and it was about using pictures to tell a story and a simplified version of that I think would work really well in year one so um my fave my fave my top one was uh Martin Travis who's our PE teacher I heard good things about that I didn't see it so he just talked about in uh conversations of conflict using the word what instead of why mm-hmm. because why is a very emotionally loaded word mm-hmm. it links to the past so you're not able to move the student towards the future. And I think the what why it was so successful was because it's such a clear, simple message. Mm-hmm. And he just got it across really well. Uh, and obviously yeah. thinking about the linguistics around choice of words. Really good. Yeah, so to today, big, big day. Big I'm excited. Day. Ray Winston, Hollywood A-lister. Yeah, I know. It's such a big name. Jonathan, How did you manage it? Yeah, Jonathan Ross. Parkinson, Desert Island Discs, what we talk about when we talk about talk. I know, we're right up there with the big days, aren't we? It's good though, isn't it? Yeah, I'm impressed. And he is, he's like obviously a very, very recognisable voice across the world. Um, so it was really good. He had lots of good, lots of really interesting things to say, so I'm, I'm excited to share. So today is just going to be the interview. We've taken on the feedback. It's too long. We're probably rambling on too much now. Keep so it we're short gonna, and sweet. Yeah, we're going to head straight to the interview, chat, come back together again, chat a bit at the end, and then that'll be it for this episode. Great. All right? Enjoy. Cool. 
Well, it's communication how you learn. Really. You know, if you can't communicate, it's like having a teacher in your class. And we had a great teacher called Mr. Sharp. History, my favourite subject. It was my favourite subject because he was a great teacher. He was a great communicator, you know? He made you interested. And you felt you had a voice. You felt you could actually bring something to the class, and an opinion. An opinion's important. Because, especially with history, because winners write history. Only winners. You don't read a book about a loser. You read a book about, about the Second World War, First World War, or Agincourt. Battle of Waterloo, but you'll you'll get the perspective from the winner's side because the winner takes all. So I learned to read between the lines. When you read, and I'm not a great reader, I've got to be honest, but but when you listen to stories or you read stories about history, that take a step back and uh, and just read between the lines, and that kind of goes across to drama in a way, I think. Because someone's done it before, doesn't mean to say they've done it right, or that you can do it the same way. The great thing about writing a play, I think, is you have stage directions, fine, and you have maybe the mood of the thing, but you have to bring a little bit of something from yourself and an opinion, you know? which makes it interesting. The minute you go into a film set and it's not a collaboration, it's just one man's vision, I think you're fucked. Well, if you think about it, the traditional view of education is one person in the classroom having a voice. Do you know, a really strange thing happened to me years ago. And it was outside Stanford Bridge. And I was with a mate of mine who was a Chelsea fan and I just happened to go to football with him. He's a bit of a lunatic. And uh, it wasn't West Ham playing, it was, um, it was Chelsea and someone else, I can't remember who it was. And there was a guy selling the British Movement paper outside. And he was a Rastafarian. And everyone was looking at him and thinking, the fuck he knows the Rastafarian selling the British Movement paper for, you know. And I asked him, what are you doing? What are you selling that for? And he says, well, I want people to read it. And I said, why? He said, because well, if you don't read what it is, then you have no argument against it. You have to understand it. And it's, it's pretty cool. Um, how about this? Could you describe your own voice? My own voice? Um, depends what mood I'm in. I can be... Um, I don't know, it's, it's kind of a voice that I've had to um, nurture, I suppose, a little bit, you know, because I, I had quite an high-pitched voice when I was young, when I was young, probably before the balls dropped and all that. But um, I guess it's wear and tear through the years, and I quite... I, I, I look at... When I've got something to say as an actor, I, I look at it as a piece of music. I take all the, the commas out and the full stops, and sometimes it means nothing, I guess, you know, because you're moving around the English language a bit, but people don't talk like that, you know. And so, for me, if it sounds wrong when I say it, emotionally, or it ain't got that kind of belief in it, 
and it really pisses me off. That's when I'm working, you know. When I'm when I'm at home and I don't really think about it, you know. We just talk. My voice goes all over the gaff, you know. But when I when I'm working, I think, especially the roles I play, it's if you're playing a king, and you're playing a king like Henry VIII, or you, you know, a powerful man, you know, a gangster, <clears throat> if you like, it's um, you've got to have some weight behind it, and it doesn't have to be clipped. Because, you know, I had the argument when I was making it in the eighth. Um, um, how, how, how are you going to use your voice? I said, well, I'm, I'm going to just make it a little bit something, but it's going to be quiet and it's going to be deep. Deep. A little bit like the, the sound of Burton, in a way. I haven't got the vocabulary of Burton. I haven't got that. But I can go deep when he speaks. And they said, well, but really, you know, it's, it's got to be clipped, it's got to be... In. I said, do you want me to speak like Henry VIII? I said, well, I'll speak Latin. Should we do it in Latin? Because he was educated in Rome. So I ended up doing it, my voice, but deeper. The voice to me, I, I kind of feel... I used to feel that I was representing where I was from in a way, and that's a little bit big-headed in a way, thinking, oh, who the fuck do you think you are then, you know, going on? Well, I happened to be in a position where I was, there wasn't many kids from where I was from that was doing what I was doing, you know. I was very lucky to come, come along in this late 70s when you'd already had the John Osborne plays and um, the kitchen sink dramas like Saturday Night, Sunday Morning and this sporting life had already been, and people like Albert Finney and Richard Harris and Burton, you know, had kind of opened the doors in a way for for kids like us. And you, when you kind of saw them plays, you realised that you, oh, maybe you could do something. Maybe there is a place for you in the arts, in making films or being on TV or doing the theatre love, you know. The, the plants I were playing were all kind of social kind of, had a social side to them, you know, about the way the people from where I come from live. And so I kind of felt that I had a little bit of a voice and a way of... Because I was a fucker, really, you know. Um, it was a way of having a voice and, and saying to the people, which I couldn't touch in Parliament, this is how we live. You don't know nothing about us. You don't want to know nothing about us. You said some, uh, this nice phrase, this turn of phrase, there's no good being poor and looking poor. Yeah. Right, so you're, you're well known for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to, to me, that's like a really aspirational quote. Yeah. But it says there's a kind of willingness to change the way people see you, mm. but not a willingness to change the way people hear you. Oh, I see, yeah, I see, you see well, I mean? yeah, but listen, when, when, I was, when I was young, my dad used to take, when I was a kid, my dad used to take me to a tailor's in Dalston, and every year we'd have a suit made. Because that's where it comes from, no good being poor and looking poor. When you, when you got a few quid, you just say you like, hello, do what you want to do. But it's nothing like walking in a room with a suit on. You know, that gives you something else, it makes your shoulders go back, it helps. And I guess that's to do with, um, 
getting over a shyness or, or maybe a, a feeling of being inadequate sometimes. But your voice, the voice is, again, an opinion. Yes, you, you have an opinion and don't be frightened to use it. Boxing, you were a really good boxer, right? Oh, <clears throat> when you were younger. I was all right. 80 out of 86, was it? 80 out of 88. 80, okay. Um, what, how did being an accomplished boxer teach you or how shape how you communicated, interacted with people? I, it, it teaches you an instinct, um, and that I, I understand, because you have a fear. And, and I think if you speak to most boxers, they say the same thing. Um, it's funny, when you get in the ring, you look across and you know whether you can beat the guy or not. It's you're, you're reading something about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 and, and about yourself. A fear. You have a fear. And, you know, you smell it and you go, oh, fuck. I, the bravest thing I ever saw on, on, a, on a stage, and I was on stage with him at the time, was is a Cathy Burke play called Mr Thomas. And it was at the um, Old Red Lion in Islington. And it starts off that I'm asleep, I'm asleep on a bed. And the play opens. And there's a couple of seconds, and then you hear this noise, and the guy comes on. And he's looking at me. Now, you can't remember, I've got to stay asleep. Right? And, and he starts talking. Anyway, this night, Smudger Smith, his name was. He comes on, bump, door opens, comes in. Nothing. It's the opening of the play. I'm laying there, I'm thinking, I can't help him. I'm asleep. If I wake up now, it fucks the whole play up. And what am I going to do? And it went on for five minutes. He went, and all of a sudden he went, <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, I do apologise, I've forgotten my line. I shall return to the changing room and we shall start again. <laughs> and back to him, we're not letting you in bed, am we? <laughs> <laughs> he went back to the changing room and I could, because I could hear it, it was that close, pub theatre. And oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> comes back in and we start again, and in he comes. And it was the best he ever done it. That's bottle. you learn about yourself through the lens of being other people and being other characters? Oh, God, yeah. Um, Neil by mouth. Um, traumatic. Yeah, doing Neil by mouth and having to beat up Kathy Burke and give her a good beating and all the fuck, you know, but I mean, you go through the, the whole fucking energy of it and the, the dark side of it, you know? But... And so you, you have to sit down and have a little think about it. So, well, 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 hold on a minute. In a way, it's, it's films like that. You go to some dark places, but you know, you come out of them knowing exactly who you are and what you're about. You're testing yourself against all these situations. Yeah, without knowing it, because, you know, I'm still, I'm still a geezer about town and fucking all that, you know, and... You don't realise that until after. You go, wow, hold on. So you said, unless you have no emotions in you at all, the words bring it all out. Yeah. Yeah. So my question is, why is talking such a key part of understanding yourself? I, I guess it's like... Um, I can only... In a way, I, it's two ways of looking at it. Talking... Depends who you're talking to. Because... And if... People you're talking to want to listen, and if they got if they're listening to you, then they've got something to say back. It's like it's like acting in a way because the most important thing is listening to the other person 
who's opposite you, you know, and because that's the way you react back to them, you know. Um, I find acting really, in a way, has been my education. Meeting different sorts of people, I haven't liked them all, you know, far from it. Um, I find that I'm, I'm different from them. Uh, I'm different in the way of that I have a past. And importantly, I hang on to that past. I find I haven't reinvented myself. Um, I've got friends from acting, good friends as well, but I've never been invited into it. And that's, <laughs> I guess, I'm all right with that. Because when I go home at night, I don't really want to talk about it. You know, I want to go home and I learn a bit more about life. The real, you know, the real life. Because I find that stands in good stead for when you're going to work next time. And try and stay in touch with what's going on, rather than talking about Batman 3, you know. What do you find more comfortable, being yourself in front of people, or being on stage as a character in front of a lady? Well, comfortable, I would just be myself, I guess, yeah. So what advice would you give to people? Because I think that's quite a big fear for people, right? I think, I think the, the, what people make a mistake is they, they, even when they do chat shows, they go on and be in the character that they are. This is going back to what I was saying about having a history, having a past. And, you know, don't go on there just to please everyone. You know, if the guy's asking you a question, answer the fucking question. Have a joke about it. Tell him to fuck off if you want to. But, you know, be you. It's, it's amazing how an audience really, really know. They know. You know, we haven't been on this planet for fucking thousands of years without having the instinct to know when someone's kidding us, you know? We know. You know, and we, we've got quite used to the fact that people go on and put on this persona and, you know, and make a... And so it's funny. You know, I can, I can live with it. I just wouldn't want to be that, you know? I, 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 want, to, I want to go on and have a chat and, and have a laugh and... And if you ask a question and you don't want to answer it, tell them you don't want to fucking answer it. It's none of your business. That's why it's so scary, though, isn't it? Because everyone knows it's so revealing. Yeah, yeah, it is. Because everyone can just see through yeah, whatever you live, live with it. Unless you've got so many things to worry that you don't want to go on anything. But, you know, it's a big fear for people, isn't it? And we're telling... Well, like, mm. one of the things we try to teach our kids is that yeah. sense of confidence to stand up in front of a room full of people yeah. and be themselves. Yeah. It's bloody hard. Sunday dinner. Roast. You love it, yeah? Rib beef, yeah. All right, so Oracy... Part of Oracy is about setting up really clear expectations yeah. for the way people talk, right? Yeah. So for your perf perfect Sunday dinner, yeah. what are the, if you were to set the expectations of how people should talk and the types of conversation that would be had, what would it be? Not a lot of Sunday dinner. Nah, because you're too busy eating. <laughs> All right? In my house, if my house is, you know, well, I've got three daughters, I've got a grandson, and we try try it. it hasn't been that much lately but have Sunday dinner together all of us you know and it's rib of beef which I cook alright not in silver foil you leave it out you burn it first and then you turn the oven down and let it cook alright and then I'll do roast potatoes 
very nice roast potatoes as well. Always boil the potatoes first. Goose fat? Or? Yeah, if you've got goose fat, yeah, but it works anyway and all. But goose fat's very good. Then you have carrots done in honey. Mm. Right, you boil your carrots, put them in, have them a little roast over with some honey on them. Beautiful. Cauliflower cheese is a must. My wife makes that fantastic. Yorkshire pudding's a must. Shallots. Now, do shallots. Sometimes I do them in red wine, but sometimes I do them in a pink cider, which is very, very nice. You roast them in the oven in there, they come out lovely. Depending on how I'm feeling, parsnips as well, great parsnips. Yeah. And is there anything that shouldn't be said at that dinner table, or is anything goes? Nah, well, it doesn't matter what I think shouldn't be said. I've got three daughters, and they say what they like, <laughs> because they feel they can. And that's the thing. And there's, you know, there's rows and there's arguments and it's, you know, it's, it's family life. Don't think you're the only people in the world that argue at Sunday dinner because you're not. We all do, you know. And if we get through a Sunday dinner without someone getting the ump or a little cry out or something, we've had a result. So last couple of quick ones. You sort of said this already, but maybe just uh, talk a bit about why. Mm. Favourite subject and favourite teacher? Yeah, I had two favourite subjects at school. It was, it was funny, it was history. I like geography as well, I must say. I had a good teacher of geography, Mr Clark. He was very good. But Mr Sharp was my, um, was my history teacher and he was fantastic. And he just made it interesting, you know, as I said before. And as did Mr Clark with geography. And, I, yeah, I love maps and I, I love travel. And I, I always seem to know where I am. It's funny, wherever I go, I'll, if, I, if I'm staying in a place or not, that the first day I'll ever walk about, and it's usually because I want to know how I can get out of there quick if I need to. <laughs> but but it, it's funny, it's, it's old habits, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it's, geography's always been a, a really good one. But physics, I, you know, like history, I've got something like 92% in my exams of physics. And, but chemistry, I was shit. I, I, the teacher was boring. But Mr Povey was mad. He was a nutter. And he, he was our teacher. He threw a kid, he, Mr Chamberlain, he threw him out of the first floor balcony window he was playing up. He did. He picked him up and put him through the window. No, he was open the window, but he dropped him because he was kicking off. He was a raving lunatic. Was but that he, a lesson on gravity? Yeah, I think so. We all got the point anyway. Newton came right through on that one. <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, physics, I, I, I had a real love of physics. Again, it was to do with the teacher. The te he was mad, nuts as a fruitcake, but interesting as fuck, you know. I mean, you wanted to, you wanted to listen to him, and he made it exciting, the lessons. And Mr Sharp did as well. I, I, I had a great respect for Mr Sharp. I thought he was a, he was a wonderful teacher. What advice would you give to your old teachers, knowing what you know now? vocation and you, you've got to have a love for teaching and for the subject that you're actually teaching you know uh, if you haven't then don't do it because you're going to fuck up a lot of kids I think if you go in there with that kind of idea of making it interesting and listening listen to your pupils you know we never had that we, we, it was that kind of age when I was a kid of you know little boys should be seen and not heard kind of thing, you know. And if you were outspoken, you got to rap against the knuckles or around the arse, you know. And I, I, I kind of think that... I'll give you an instance today. Uh, I, I find my girls coming home with the opinions of a teacher. 
about the world, about politics, about eating habits. And this all comes from your peers, but your teachers. Teaching them things where it was their opinion. No, 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 no. Give me the facts. And let's talk about the facts. Don't fucking ramp your opinions down my kid's throat. Because who the fuck are you? You're there to talk about it. You know, it's like watching documentaries on the telly now. Years ago, a documentary used to come on and it's to show you the facts. This is what's happened, bum, bum, bum. And you was left to make up your mind 75% of the time. Your own mind. What do you think happened there? What was this about? I don't agree with that. Now, you, you watch a documentary now and there's no answer at the end of it for number one. You know, it's like Tutankhamun's fucking thing. Oh, we found this mummy. And guess what? We don't know who the fuck it is. Well, what's the point of making the programme right now? Just tell us that at the beginning. But <laughs> I think, I think a teacher, teachers need, need to teach and, and show the beauty of their subjects, yes. But don't ram it down someone's throat. Have a conversation about it. Let some kids say, yeah, but what about if it was done that way? And do you think that's wrong, sir? No, and have a talk about it. Maybe the teacher will learn something as well. Perfect. You know? Thanks, Ray. It's been really good. Oh, yeah. Ray Winston. Wow. <laughs> no, it's good. It was really good. It was uh, so I went to I went to his house to interview him, and he's got a pub in his garden. That is the dream. And well, check this out. Bit of inside info. He's also built or had built a version of Stonehenge in the back of his garden. <laughs> is it true to size? Uh, it's not true to size. It's not. It's not scale. Uh, but it is. It looks exactly like Stonehenge, just a smaller Why? one. Why? Well, he he said is because it would actually be quite. He just finds that it, the idea that people in a kind of couple of hundred years time will dig it up. Or a couple of thousand I think years it's time. Something meaningful. Yeah, <laughs> and he just, just built it as a passion project. Oh, that's nice. Um, okay, so quick quote and recommendation. So here's my quote uh, for you, Amy. This is from a song. See if you can guess the artist. How do I express in a picture that she's in a mood with me? I'm not going to say she's in a mood with me. I'm going to say she's tapping her foot. No, I'm blank. Mike Skinner, The Streets. Right. I don't know how I'm supposed to guess that. Should I have just known it's a really well-known lyric? Uh, not really. No, I would have just been impressed if you'd known <laughs> okay. it. Um, I think we should re-record it so I can seem like I really know my stuff. Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, so I like that because it's, it's a bit kind of social and emotional. It's a bit physical. It's yeah. like how we express and communicate through Show our body language. Show, don't tell. Show, don't tell. That's good. Um, and then... I wanted to recommend a podcast, one specific episode of the Adam Buxton podcast, and he interviews a guy called Michael Scott Moore, who is a journalist, and he is investigating a case of pirating, and then he ends up actually getting kidnapped by some pirates and being taken uh, on a ship for three years. And he was there together with some other hostages, um, but there was lots and lots of different nationalities on this boat. And he talks about how they uh, communicated with each other and how they actually had to invent their own pidgin language between themselves and the pirates to be able to communicate with each other. So it's quite a good one uh, on communication and language. I found it really interesting. Sounds good. I'm going to listen to it. You should. <laughs> uh, okay. 
Uh, check us out on at Oracy Squad. Yeah. And Bye. that's about it. Yeah. Yeah? Hope you enjoyed it. All right. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> Bye. In one single moment, your whole life can turn round. Stand there for a minute, staring straight into the ground. Looking to the left slightly, then looking back down. The world feels like it's caved in, proper sorry frown. Please let me show you where we could only just be for us. I can change and I can grow or we could adjust. The wicked thing about us is we always have trust. We can even have an open relationship if you must. I look at her, she stares almost straight back at me. But her eyes glaze over like she's looking straight through me. Then her eyes must have closed for what seems an eternity. When they open up, she's looking down at her feet. Dry your eyes, mate. I know it's hard to take, but her mind has been made up. There's plenty more fish in the sea. Dry your eyes, mate. I know you want to make her see how much this pain hurts. But you've got to walk away now. It's over. So then I moved my hand up from down by my side. I was shaking, my life was crashing before my eyes.